0: Hey, this is Pastor Ty, and we want to thank you for joining us at Cowboy Junction today. Uh, When you hear this message, we want you to know that we've been praying, and praying that your faith will grow and be encouraged and challenged. And we really want you to know that we we love that you're here. But what would help us is if you would subscribe, rate this, review this, and and share it online. You can also help us by partnering with us. And a lot of people call Cowboy Junction home that attend on our online campus. But when you join us financially, you're really being a part of the team. You can easily give a one-time gift or set up a recurring gift at CowboyJunctionChurch.com backslash give. And uh, that'll help us so much. Uh, Thanks again for being here and hope you enjoy this message. I love this series, The Cowboy Junction. I don't know if you do, but I've enjoyed Pastor Ty relating pixels and parables, and, and it's been fun. I don't know if you've noticed, like I have, Pastor Ty's awesome shirts from, you know, older than when I was. So, All I had was a tie-dye shirt from Junction Christian Academy. But hey, well, we're talking about Junction Christian Academy, the galas this week, and if you haven't bought your tickets, you totally should. It's a great fundraiser, great school. Uh, my boys go there, and it is awesome. Well, I guess actually my son goes there, and next year, I can say plural, because I only have one kid there, but just had to clarify that. So hey, I want to read the scripture to you, and then we'll get started. Uh, let's go to John chapter 4, verse 31, and it says this, in the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, Eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and, have, and you have entered into their labors. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that today... Only your words would come out of my mouth. Jesus, I need you. I don't want anyone to hear something from me, but only, the, only something that came from you. So I'm asking your Holy Spirit to come and speak through me. God, open up our ears to hear so that we can be changed by your word. Your word is what changes us. It's what produces good fruit in us. So we thank you and we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Like I said, we are in a series called Atari. So I was thinking, okay, I get to speak this week. What should I speak on? And I thought, Pac-Man. Pac-Man is awesome. The iconic game, Pac-Man. So we're going to show you a little video in case... You don't know what Pac-Man is, um, so yeah, this is awesome. This is awesome. You you start out and you're eating these little pellets, and you win the game by you know going through each level, getting all the pellets. Once you eat all the pellets, now I just got to pause for a second and say a game about eating is fantastic because I love food. Um, and, you know. Anyway, so you get uh these little this little fruit comes out when you start to. I get you a certain number of points, and those are worth more points. And then in each four corners, there's a power pellet. When you get the power pellet, then you can eat the ghosts who are trying to chase you and, and not let you eat food. How mean is that? I mean, seriously. So you run around. This guy's good. Like, he's way better than I am in real life. Like, he, he, I don't know how he's doing that with the joystick. Seriously. Does anyone else's joystick, like, the joystick gets stuck? It doesn't work. So this is the game, right? And each level, the ghosts get faster, and it gets harder to compete, and you have to clear the, the level. And this, this is Pac-Man in essence. This is what you see. Pac-Man. You're going to eat pellets. You're going to get a power pellet, and then, you know, you're going to go to each level. It's going to be awesome. And uh, if you are lucky, you got past level two. If you're like me, you barely get past level one. <laughs> so, But in Pac-Man, I, started, I, I decided I really need to study the game of Pac-Man because it was made before I was born. <laughs> it was a joke, but kind of true. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, so, so, so Pac-Man, I was like, I'm going to really study Pac-Man so I can see what God wants me to speak about, you know, because we're talking about pixels and parables and and the game is fun, but the important part is how we can take principles that we learn and, and, and the, and how the word of God can apply to our life through, through something like an illustration, through a parable, pixels and parables. So that's what this whole series is about. And so I was thinking, I I started doing some research and I don't know if you know this, but Pac-Man is set up on a grid. And it's got all these tiles and uh, they're little eight by eight tiles that are also known as pixels. And, and once a a ghost enters into the same tile as Pac-Man, you're considered to be out. Okay. So you lost a life. Uh, Or when you get a power pellet, once you're in the same tile as a ghost, you get extra points for this. Right. So I was thinking, okay, it started like, that's pretty cool. You know, there's, there's a, there's, there's a grid and that's awesome. Well, then I started looking at the patterns of the ghosts, and, and they actually have what are called a target tile. And so each, pat, each ghost, I'm sorry, I've I spoke this message like two times before, and now I'm getting it all jumbled up. So forgive me. Let me calm down for a second. I got excited. Sorry. I like preaching. So here, here's what I'm saying. They have a target tile, and they go to that tile, and they make decisions based on what their target tile is. And so I thought, well, I could talk, I could talk about Targeting. I could talk about how in John 10, 10, the Bible says the thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy, but I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. And I could talk about spiritual warfare and, and how we've got to recognize, yes, the enemy has a plan, but that is not what we have to go by. We actually can live in the freedom of Christ. And it sounds good. I'm like, that will preach, man. That will preach. And so I'm telling God and he's like, nope, that ain't it. I'm like, well, all right, you got a suggestion then? You you ever talk to God like that? No, just me? It's cool. So then I started studying some more, and and I I realized there was um, three different uh, modes that the ghosts have. I don't know if you know this, three different modes. They have scatter mode, which they come out in scatter mode. So they scatter, and they run around randomly, uh, which is really not random, because they have a target tile. So they scatter for seven seconds, and then they enter into their second mode, which is called chase mode. And so they chase you for 20 seconds. And then there's a third mode that they have and this mode is only activated when Pac-Man eats a power pellet and it's called frightened mode. And, and they run away. So I thought, man, we could, we could talk about scatter. We could, we could talk about how the enemy wants to scatter you like, like sheep without a shepherd. He, he brings confusion, but God is not the author of confusion. Yeah. You know, God, God brings clarity. He yeah. brings wisdom. He brings favor. He brings power. Yeah. I was like, we could talk about that. I said, Or, or we could talk about chasing and how a lot of our times we actually end up in our own chase mode where we're chasing the next thing the next meal and we're just looking for that one moment with god where we can feel like we got something but the rest of the time is just little pellets and we're just waiting on the power pellet moment i thought we could talk about that I said, or 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 we could talk about how a lot of times we enter into frightened mode and we live in fear and not faith and all this sounds really good. I was like, man, this is going to be a good message. And God was like, no, that's not it. I was like, well, what am I supposed to talk about? I mean, I've, pretty much, I've done all this research, God. I'm being faithful here. I'm showing myself approved. And, and you're not giving me. And you're telling me no to everything that I'm coming up with. And then I got to realize that I don't want to come up with anything. I just want God to speak through me. When I got to that moment, he goes, What's the number one thing people are going to ask you? The first thing I walk in, I'm playing Pac Man this morning. Because, you know, when you're preaching on Pac Man, you, you need to play it. You know, or at least that's what I told myself to justify the fact that I was playing. <laughs> I, I, was, I was studying here, guys. I was studying for the message. And so, so I'm playing Pac Man, and, and the guy next to me he says, Do you know the pattern of Pac Man? And I thought, man, that's so funny because I'm actually preaching on patterns because that's the number one question. If you want to win at Pac Man, you got to know the pattern. You know, if you know the pattern, you know how to have a great game. In fact, if you want to YouTube it, there's actually called the perfect Pac Man game or something like that. It's five hours of this dude just demolishing Pac Man. Five, I'm not, I didn't mean minutes, I said hours. Five hours of a guy just playing Pac Man. There's all cool. All kinds of cool things that you won't know about. Like there's a hidden spot where you could hide where the ghost won't find you. Didn't know that, did you? Yeah. Well, I did my research. (laughs) Right? But patterns are important. So I I started to think about, okay, if this is what people are going to ask me about Pac-Man, I wonder what God wants to tell us about patterns. And and I, I started to think about the different patterns in life. You know, there's like mathematical patterns. Um, you know i don 't know about those because i didn 't pay attention to math but um <clears throat> you know there there 's patterns there's there 's mathematical patterns it's like, okay there 's those uh, there 's weather patterns you know like in new mexico there 's a constant weather pattern of wind like that 's all there is it 's like the 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 least that it 'll get is like twenty miles per hour you know it 's like and that and everybody else is like it 's so windy here and you 're like no, this is a pretty day <laughs> this is you know let's, yeah let's, But it's where we live. So, you know, they don't understand. So, you know, there's a a wind pattern. But then I started to think about people and myself. I started to realize that people have patterns. And in fact, fact, a lot of times what will happen is I can look at something in my life and I can see a pattern developing where I, I get... I I saw this a lot as a teenager I would go to camp and I would have this moment with God and God would speak to me and I would be on fire and I'm going to win the world for Jesus and then I go home and everything goes to and it just is like every time that I get something good from God why is it that there's a big attack on my life and then there's a pattern of I heard this thing from God and I was on fire for God, but now I'm really just going to do my own thing and go wherever it is I want to go. Oh, and then we came back around to camp. Oh. And, I, and I get a, a word from God. Oh, okay, let, let's take camp out of it. Maybe I come to a Sunday morning and I do this week to week. And I get a message from the preacher that comes straight from the mouth of God and then I leave and I don't know how to apply what he said. And so I just leave it and I never use it. I don't know. It's just some patterns, you know. So then I start thinking, okay, well, what does the Bible say about patterns? Because honestly, we could talk a lot about what I think about patterns, but the Bible is probably where we need to go. So in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able. Now, hold on. You know, if it says then right here, it means you have to do this part to get to this part. So, so he said, then once you're transformed instead of conforming, once you're transformed by the renewing of your mind, you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So I started thinking about conforming. You know, and I, and I had a hard time at first because uh, I, I, I like to read a bunch of different uh, versions. And just make sure that when I'm talking about a scripture, that I'm not pulling it out of context, that that I'm looking at it fully. And and I had a little bit of a hard time because the NIV is the only version that says pattern. The ESV and the New King James, they don't say pattern. It just says, do not be conformed to the world. So I was like, man, well, God, my whole message is wrapped up in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. You better do something. I'm going to need your help. And this is what he said, he goes, go look up the word. And when I looked up the word in Greek, now I'm not that smart. I've got a Bible app that you could just click on the word and it, and it tells you what the definition is. Really cool. But this word conform actually means to make yourself obedient to the patterns of the culture. So that word conform pattern is in it. So it doesn't have to say patterns because to conform means that you submit yourself and obey to the patterns of culture, what everybody else wants you to do. And I wonder how many times in my own life it's easier to go to conform to the flow of what people are doing than it is to go against the grain and be obedient and transformed by Christ. I mean, it's so much easier. People aren't going to give you a hard time about it. They're they're like, if you're going with the flow, and then all you're... I know there's some teenagers in here, I know you've heard this. Well, if all your friends jumped off a a bridge, would you jump off a bridge or a cliff? Would you jump off a cliff too? And I'm like, you know what's funny about that is we say that as parents and then we do the exact same thing in real life. Well, my friends are all doing it. And I was like, I'm never gonna say that as a parent. I've said that so many times as a parent and I only have a seven year old. I mean, it's bad. (laughs) Because I, what, what the point of that statement is don't be influenced, be an influencer. Don't allow the world to tell you how you're going to do things. Tell the world what God told you and live a transformed life even if everybody doesn't like you for it. Because I'm going somewhere. You guys can go jump off your cliff. Now some people are like, man, I love cliff jumping. It's awesome. I'm like, no, there's rocks down there somewhere. And maybe I, there might be a shark in there. I know it's a lake, but there might be something in the water. I don't know. Patterns, they're so important. You know, I've found in my life that I actually start to blame God for the results of my bad pattern. I get so upset with God because I'm like, hey, listen, God, I can't believe you let me go broke. You know, I ain't got no money, and you said you would provide all my need. That's in your word. You're, you know you're in trouble when you start telling, quoting the Bible to God. Because he is the Bible, okay? Like, he knows it. He is it. And God's like, hey, it's not my fault that you went to Starbucks three times a day and McDonald's twice a day every day that you're broke. That's not my fault. You have a bad pattern. And it's an unhealthy one at that. <laughs> Except for maybe Starbucks. That's okay. That's in the Bible. Thou shall not go without coffee. I'm just joking. That's not you know, like, how many times do we do that? And what I began to understand that we can learn is that every time I conform to a bad pattern, I will get a bad result. Every single time. If I conform to the pattern that isn't good. Have you ever made a copy of the, uh, of the wrong copy? Or made a copy of the wrong copy? You know, like it didn't come out; it came out blurry. But you went ahead and made a copy of it. By the time you get done, what is it? It's unrecognizable because you can never take a bad pattern and get a good result. Ever. That's why Jesus said, or technically Paul through Jesus, "Be transformed." Here's what we got to know: God doesn't want us to come form; He wants us to transform. Well, how do we do that? The renewing of our mind. I used to have the hardest time with this, man. Someone would say, well, just renew your mind, man. Like, what does that even mean, renew your mind? (laughs) Seriously? Well, well, you know, you're supposed to read your Bible for 30 minutes a day. Oh, so my whole mind's going to be renewed in one 30-minute session of reading the Bible, huh? No, no, no. Yes, you need to be in the Bible. That's not what I'm saying. You got to be in the Bible, but you have to start to change the way that you think. You have to stop putting bad patterns in and transform by looking at the pattern that christ has for you i've got maybe maybe i need to stop listening to music that doesn't lift me up maybe i need to stop listening to music now listen i'm if you like to listen to to whatever fill in the blank as long as you and god are good with it i don't care But if you notice that you're always angry, or you're always sad, or you're always down, maybe look at what you're putting in your heart to see about what you're getting out of it. Because there's patterns. Patterns are so important. Because conforming, all it really is, is it's getting an autopilot and just shutting your brain off and not thinking about your life. That's what Paul's really saying. He's like, man, we get in, in, into autopilot, and we just get autopilot mode, and we're like, you know, this is what I do every single day, routine. I don't even have to think about it. Y'all ever have that moment where you drove home, and you got home, and you're like, whoa, how did I get here? That's the scariest moment on the planet. I'm like, how does somebody not die? Maybe someone is dead, and I don't even know about it, you know, and it freaks me out. I'm like, I don't know how I got here. Why? Because it's such a routine and pattern going home that I can get lost in my thoughts and not even realize that I made decisions without my brain being aware of it because it was on autopilot. And sometimes that's what we do is we actually just conform to the world on autopilot because we're so used to going with the flow that we never turn our brain back on and think about what God has for us to do. Listen, God is not a God that tells you to shut your brain off. He gave it to you. He wants us to use it. He wants us to think. Most of the time I think, I I get to a place where I'm like, well, God, you're you're so much bigger than my brain, so I should just shut it off. That's not what faith is. It's using what God's giving you and knowing that there will be times where it doesn't make sense up here, but I know in here that he told me to do it so I can obey it. Even though up here it doesn't make sense. It's bypassing. There's times when God asks us to obey and it bypasses our mind and it goes through our faith. There's a big difference between bypassing and shutting off completely. Well, I'm just going to take everything hook, line, and sinker. That's not what we're saying. God gave us a brain. We've got to keep it on. So many times, anyway, we can move on from that point. We could, we could talk about that point for a long time. I want to show you an interaction that Jesus had that included a lot of patterns, okay? This is going to be found in John chapter 4, and this is John chapter 4, verse 4. This is a powerful scripture, but he needed to go through Samaria. Everybody's like, what? That's powerful? Yes. Let me tell you why. Let's talk about this for a second. Just the fact that Jesus said he needed to go through Samaria blew the disciples' minds. They were like, What? nobody goes through samaria if you're a jew nobody so so let's talk about this for a minute where did the samaria i started thinking where the samaritans come from well samaritans came from a jewish person marrying outside of the jewish culture a gentile and having kids right like the whole nation was born from that right Uh, i got you i tricked you i did it on purpose a whole nation Didn't come from that. Because a pattern is not a pattern until it's repeated. Pattern's not a pattern until it's repeated. So if something happens in my life one time, that's an event. But when it happens over and over and over and over and over and over, now it's a pattern. So in order for the Samaritans to come about, it had to be a pattern of Jews marrying outside of their culture and having children to produce a nation. It happened over and over and over. And, and this, is, this is really interesting to me. And I started to think, you know, because then the Jews, the Samaritans had their own blood. They had Jewish blood. So now you got family problems. you got family members hating family members. I can't believe you married so-and-so and now we got this issue and so hate is birth. even though the place where the Samaritans are at was given to them by Jacob do you recognize that name all throughout the Bible it says now the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob and Jacob gives this land it's like man you're missing out on something that God gave you because of A parameter. See, parameters are limits or boundaries. I wonder how many times in my life I get so uncomfortable with somebody's pattern that I produce a parameter on God's grace. I say, hey, I don't like what you're doing, and so I'm not going to allow God's grace to flow through me to you. I'm out, and I put a wall up. The Jews would literally walk further, cross the Jordan River, which is harder to get around Samaria because they thought they'd be defiled. And Jesus sits here and says, I must go through Samaria. Mind blown. Why? Why? Because there is no limit or boundary on what Jesus will do to get the gospel to someone who needs it. There is no man-made line that God won't cross to bring freedom into somebody's life. Not one. Not one man-made line that Jesus won't just, you know. That reminds me of a song. There's no shadow. Oh, anyway. Reckless Love. You know, it's a great song. If you don't have it, it'll encourage you. There's a lot of versions, but anyway. Let's keep going. So we're in, we're in verse 7. Okay. So Jesus goes to Samaria. He ends up at Jacob's well. It's the middle of the day. It's hot. And we pick up in verse 7. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Now he's thirsty, clearly. It's noon. He's been walking. He's thirsty. He sits down. He says, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you being a Jew ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? She had two strikes against her. She was a Samaritan and she was a woman. And she knew there was a parameter for the Jews that they would not associate with Samaritans, much less a Samaritan woman. the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Jesus didn't show up to get a drink of water. He showed up to bring living water to somebody who needed it. Let's keep going. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then? Do you get that living water? Now, if there isn't a sarcastic answer in the Bible, this has got to be it. How are you going to get the water, Jesus? <laughs> you ain't got a bucket. Where's your bucket? The well's deep. Where's your rope? How are you going to do it? I wonder how many times in my life Jesus has been trying to reveal and provide a need for me, and all I can say to him is, where's my bucket? Where's your bucket, God? How are you going to do that, God? There's no way for you to do that. My brain can't comprehend it, and God's just saying, I'm trying to get something to you, and you're missing the point. I created water. This isn't about water. This is about your soul. about your soul. So then she keeps going. Are you greater than our father Jacob? Who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock Jesus answered and said to her whoever drinks of this water will thirst again but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life here's the sign this isn't about water this is about salvation I'm trying to get you something that you need. And right before Jesus shows her everything, shows her her pattern, all the patterns of her mistakes, all the patterns of her bad relationships, the patterns of her life that have led her to a point where she can't even go get water with her people because even her own people reject her. She has to go in the middle of the day to avoid pain. Jesus says, it's not about water, it's about salvation. I've got something. If you only knew that you've been searching to be satisfied. You've been searching to be accepted. And only in me is there acceptance. Only in me will you find something that won't leave you thirsty again. She's still thinking water. So then it goes on. The woman said to her, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. I wonder how many times in our own life we have a well or a place that we go to that represents a point of pain because of our decisions, because of the things that we've done and the things that people know that we've done and they ridicule us and they make fun of us and they poke at us and they give us all this trouble until we change our pattern to get away from the pain. I wonder how many times this happened in my own life. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. Set up. Jesus done set her up. Man, she, she, there was no way she's going to answer this question. G, man, I love that Jesus will just tee you up like that, man. He'd be like, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm about to hit a home run. <clears throat> I mean, just knock it out of the ballpark because I'm going to get everything about who you are because I made you. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how you answer because I'm going to show the truth. So he goes on and she says, I have no husband. Now she didn't, she didn't necessarily lie, but she didn't necessarily tell the truth either. So Jesus, Jesus said to her, you, you have said, well, I have no husband for you have had five husbands And the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you have spoken truly. He said, you've had relationship after relationship. You've been divorced five times. Everybody knows you don't know how to do a relationship. You've given up on getting, uh, even going through the process. So now you're just living with the dude. Because you know it's going to (laughs) end. I love the next verse. Let's keep going. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. <laughs> Here's your sign. Come on. Of course. Of course she's going to say, I think you're a prophet. This is a Jew who she's never met before. And Jews don't talk to Samaritans. So she, he didn't talk to her relatives. He didn't talk to the people in the, in, in the town who love to gossip about other people to, to avoid their own problems. Who like to gossip about the things going on in your own life instead of picking up your hand and praying for you and lifting you up. They like to just talk about you. So I perceive you're a prophet. Now, she Jesus jukes Jesus. Y'all ever heard of a Jesus juke? You know what that is? Let me just explain this. When someone's saying something to you, and it's practical, and then they go and be like, well, Jesus. And they Jesus juke you. They change the subject. they like, get you all spiritual. You're like, bro, we were talking about the cowboys. And all of a sudden, you're talking about, anyway. So she she Jesus jukes Jesus. She's like, our fathers worshiped on this mountain. You know, she gets all spiritual and religious. That's my spiritual and religious voice. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. Just keep going. But the hour is coming and it now is. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. I wonder how many times I've come into a service, and I sing things like, you can have it all, Lord. And then I go home, and he asks me to give him something, and I tell him, no. You can have it all except. That's what I really mean to sing. That's what my life sings. Jesus, you can have everything but this part. And I actually start to conform to the patterns of the world's worship. Let me give you an example. We're fixing to celebrate Easter not that long from now. A few weeks. Right before Easter, a week before Easter, before Jesus' crucifixion, there's this day called Palm Sunday. Maybe you heard of it. Jesus goes through a town, on a donkey, and all these people, a bunch of people, start laying down palm trees, thus Palm Sunday. Palm branches. I shouldn't say palm trees. That would be a little difficult to walk through. I mean, he is Jesus. He could probably do it, but they start laying down palm branches, and they start singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, glory in the highest. Hosanna, Hosanna, glory in the highest. And not even a full week later, They're yelling, crucify him. Because it's easy to conform to the patterns of the worship of the world. When it's convenient to worship God, I'll worship God. But to have a true relationship with Jesus and worship him by being transformed. Maybe, maybe the way my life is, is more important than the worship that I show everybody else. I can raise my hand at church and I can go home and neglect the things that God's asked me to do. And that is more evident that 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 worship, it, it actually says more about how I feel about God than me raising my hands and singing loud at church. I don't want to conform. I want to be Transformed. Yeah. I don't want my pattern to say something different. Do you know the only disciple who was at the feet of Jesus when he was being crucified was John? Not big bad Peter who said, I'll I'll, I'll die for you. Man, I'll fight anybody for you. He's like, come on, big boy. Let's do this. You're not going to die, Jesus. And then when the rubber meets the road, he denies him. Now, how many times have I done that? Listen, I've got my hand up. I've done that way too many times. And thank God that John chapter 21, 22 happens and, and, and Jesus goes to Peter in his backsliding and he goes to Peter and he says, Peter, do you love me? And he says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he says, feed my sheep. And he says, Peter, do you love me? And he says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he says, tend to my flock. And he says, Peter, do you love me? And at this point, Peter is so frustrated. He's like, yes, Jesus, you know I love you. Don't you know all things, Jesus? You know I love you. And he says, then feed my sheep. Why? Three times he denied him. Three times he asked him if he loved him to restore him. And I'm so glad that when I've denied Jesus, that Jesus has always come back to me and said, I can overcome what you did. I'm so glad. But there was only one person besides the women. I mean, the big old bad men, they went running. And, and the women and the mother of Jesus and John were at the feet, watching him be crucified. Because they had been transformed. They've been transformed. Let's keep going. The uh, And at this point, his disciples came back, and they marveled. Let's go back one. I, I messed up. Hold on. Um, uh, she said, the woman said to him, I know that when he comes... Uh, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Let's keep going. And at this point, his disciples came, and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Parameters. That's all they knew. I can't believe Jesus is talking to a woman, much less a Samaritan woman. What is he doing here? It's bad enough that we have to pass through this dirty town. How is it? And that's how most people feel about Hobbes. That was a bad place for a joke. I'm sorry. (laughs) Might be true, though. You know, like, why are we here? But no one said, what do you seek? Ain't nobody brave enough to tell Jesus, hey, why are you talking to a woman? Not even Peter. Peter. Why are you talking with her? And the woman left her water pot and went her way into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and they came to him. Now get this. The exposing of her pattern brought a change that led to a whole city getting saved. Jesus can expose your pattern and turn it into eternal fruit. He said, your relationships aren't right. Now listen, somebody needs to remember, Jesus didn't expose her on Facebook Live. He was one-on-one at the well when he told her, you have said right, you've been searching, you're unsatisfied, you don't know how to do relationships, Jesus can confront you. See this is how most people, including myself, tend to confront people. They talk about the person to everybody else except the person. That's not confronting. Jesus said, I'm going to come to the source and I'm going to look at your life and I'm going to look at the patterns of your life and I'm going to expose them so that you can be transformed into the heavenly purpose that I have for you. And a woman who everybody else discounted brought the whole city to salvation. That is what the redemption power of Christ is like. When you mess up and your life looks bad and you've said, I've done this and I've done this and I've messed up over and over and I've promised you I'm never going to do it again. But then you show up and you transform my life and you use what I thought no one could use and you bring people to you for salvation. That's the redemption power of Christ. That's who Jesus is. At this point, oh, we read that part. Then the woman left. Let's go to the next verse. We read all that. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But they said to him, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to him, one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Let's keep going. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes harvest behold I say to you lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already white with harvest and he who reaps receives wages and and, and gathers fruit for eternal life that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together for in this the saying is true that one sows and another reaps I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored others had labored and you have entered into their labors now you thought I forgot about Pac-Man but I didn't Pac-Man's purpose to eat pellets Get power pellets, eat some ghosts, get some points, go to the next level. God, so many times in our lives, listen, so many times in our lives, we're just like the disciples where we're worried about the next meal we're worried about food we're worried about a routine we're like man i'm just gonna i'm gonna go to work i'm gonna i'm gonna make money i'm gonna provide for my family i'm gonna life love my wife and kids i'm gonna accomplish the american dream and then i'm gonna repeat i'm gonna do that every single day every single week i have a pattern i go to my job i love my wife and kids i come home i watch some football on the weekends i root for the cowboys because that's what good christians do and then you know what i'm saying and this is what happens we get stuck in a routine thinking that that is purpose but you and i are not pac-man we were made on purpose for a purpose to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth so that those who don't know god will come to know god if you have a job you don't like maybe god's got you there for a person who's going to hell who is lost who is broken and he's saying if you get outside yourself and quit worrying about some pellet your next meal how you're going to provide and start being the gospel what would happen what would happen you were created on purpose for a purpose there are no accidents my parents didn't plan me good God knew you were coming he wasn't surprised My parents left me and rejected me. Guess what? Jesus wasn't surprised. He planned you. He knew that you were going to go through some stuff. But he empowered you to bring people who would go through the same thing to him. My parents didn't love me. That's okay. Jesus still loves you. And he created you on purpose. For a purpose. There are no mistakes. On purpose. For a purpose. This is what God has done. Do you go back to the last scripture. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? This is right after they're asking Jesus, Jesus, you got to eat, man. You haven't eaten anything all day. It's like they don't know who Jesus is. They're like, Do you forget that I fasted for 40 days and 40 nights? Come on, I know how to rely on the Spirit of God. And He says, and then comes harvest behold I save you lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already white for harvest I wonder I just wonder if at this exact moment that here comes the whole city of Samaria coming to know that Jesus that Jesus is the Savior and right when they think God you can't do anything with this that's when God shows up that's when God says look the harvest doesn't look like what you think it looks like Because the harvest isn't just a certain people group. It's all people. The gospel is for all people. If I could leave you with one water cooler moment as Pastor Ty would call it. There is no man-made limit, boundary, or line God will not break to bring freedom into people's lives. There is not one man-made boundary that jesus will not cross to get to those who need freedom and it all started when adam and eve sinned and jesus said i'll become a man and i'll live so that others may live I'll submit myself to this world. I'll give up my throne in heaven. Can you imagine being uh, everywhere, omnipresent, and then being confined to one body? Can you imagine what that felt like? This is what Jesus does for us. This is how good he is. So I've got a question for you today as we end. What if God is trying to get A parameter and a pattern that has been in your life too long today so that he can use you to give freedom to others. If we're going to see the pattern, we have to be honest with ourselves that something's not right. Today, not exposing you in anger he's revealing to you in truth and love that something has to change that a pattern has to be broken that a parameter can't stay the same because he's looking at you and saying i've got salvation i've got freedom i've got satisfaction I've got acceptance. I've got love. I've got joy. I have peace. I have self-control. I've got everything that you need to be, to be who I called you to be in this world. But you've got to trade the conforming to a pattern in order to be transformed. That word transformed means metamorphosis. The picture is a caterpillar to a butterfly. You won't even look the same when you trade the pattern guess what what transforms the caterpillar the pressure god why are you squeezing me i'm trying to grow you why does it feel like everything's getting tight around me like everything that i thought was supposed to happen isn't it happening and he's saying to you today because you changed the pattern and transformation is coming and there's about to be something that releases in your life but you have to go through the pressure Bow your heads and close your eyes with me today. Would you just take a moment? As Fabian plays the keyboard, would you just take a moment to listen to God? God wants to reveal to you today patterns that need patterns that need to change, parameters that needs that need to be broken. Would you just take a moment as we listen to the Holy Spirit? This is true relationship, true transformation. Come on, let's just listen right now. chapter 4 Jesus quoted the prophet Isaiah and he said the spirit of the Lord is upon me to set at liberty the captives to bring recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to declare the acceptable year of the Lord somebody in this room you've had a pattern of bondage something that keeps holding on to you and you've prayed so many times God break this in my life but it's just a pattern over and over and you do good and then over good and then over and over and it's just you, you, you are tired of falling and you're tired of being in bondage and God said you cannot do this in your strength you have to let my power transform you believe that God's speaking to you today if you're in the room if I could have our prayer partners come up you're in the room and God's speaking to you about a pattern or a parameter in your life that needs to be changed that needs to be broken I want to pray for you but I've got to know who you are if God's revealing something to you would you just lift up your hand is there anyone in this room who says I've got a pattern and I need to break it would you just put your hand up right now anybody in this room See those hands, see those hands. See those hands. You can put them down. you can put them down. I just want to pray for you. Jesus. Your word is so clear we have to be transformed. And so God today I pray that the transformation will start with an encounter with the Almighty God. Lord that you literally set up a Samaritan woman experience this morning at church. They didn't even know what they were coming to and God started talking to you about the things that you're going through and he said I'm here to give you hope. I'm here to give you freedom. I'm here to give you satisfaction. You have to encounter me. So Jesus right now by your power I break every parameter that's not of you i break every pattern that's not of you and i speak transformation in their life right now transformation in their life right now and god i pray that they would be reminded that right before you talked to the samaritan woman at the well you were talking to nicodemus and you said for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that who so ever would believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life and then you went to the Samaritan woman and you proved it by going to people who the world would reject so God I pray they would be reminded that you love all people even them when they don't feel like it now release your power and your freedom in their life if you're in this place and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior today's the day salvation is here he's saying to you today i see you fully i know every way that you've messed up i've seen your entire life all the mistakes you're gonna make and i was there at the beginning and in the middle and you're not even to the end but i'm in the end and i see but i still love you enough to die for you and all you have to do is accept my free gift if that's you and you're ready to accept jesus for the very first time in your life would you just lift your hand is there anybody in the room who says that's me I need Jesus anybody in the room okay Lord thank you for today thank you for your love and your power I pray for freedom that would continue Lord, that you would show them right now. Lord, every person who raised their hand and said, I've got a pattern. God, I pray that you would show them the new pattern that needs to be put in place. And the steps they need to take. If they need to call and ask somebody for forgiveness. If they if they need to say that they release somebody. If they need to forgive somebody. Lord, whatever it is, I pray that they would hear it and obey it. Señor, then we pray. And everybody said, amen. Would you stand with me? remind you that our prayer partners are over here and uh, if you need prayer, we would love to pray with you it's all throughout the Bible that when we agree together big things happen We want to say what Pastor Ty says to you and I want to add a little to it he says every single week, I love you Jesus loves you, don't you ever forget it, Cowboy Junction it's time for us to love God and love people with no limits and I want to challenge you What if we actually love people with no limits this week? What would happen? Go love somebody the way Jesus loved you. And see freedom take place in their life. We'll see you next week.